0: Hey guys, spoilers ahead. I'm Laura. And I'm Nikki. And this is Breakdown from the Couch. We
1: are the podcast that breaks down the best and worst movies found on your streaming services.
0: Yep. And you can check us out on social media. Just search for Breakdown from the Couch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, check us out on ageofradio.org. You can find our episodes there as well as shop our sponsors. So,
1: perfect. Yep. So this week we're breaking things up a little bit. Yep. Instead of doing a single movie, we are breaking down the top 10 films <laughs> of Samuel L. Jackson. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Samuel so, motherfucking Jackson. Yes, ma'am. So this guy, of course, he's everyone knows who he is. Oh yeah. And I love the fact that he plays pretty much one of three characters in every movie he's ever been in. But he does it so well that we don't care it's the same characters over and over with different names. Right, it's just awesome.
0: <laughs> I know. Do you know what I mean? He's oh, either yeah.
1: like Coach Carter or Shack, uh, uh-huh. not Shaq. Shaft, or Shaft, yeah, <laughs> or like Nick Fury. And there's Ooh. never like too much deviation, even among those three characters. True. He's just one of those people, I
0: guess. Right. Okay.
1: So I'm gonna let you go first, Laura. What's your first on your five movies you liked?
0: Okay, so the one of the first of the five movies that I liked, which I actually I haven't seen, but I'd like to see someday, <laughs> is A Time to Kill.
1: That movie I have seen that one. Yeah. That one's really good. Um He didn't have the main starring role. It right. was really focused more on the lawyers, but he plays the gentleman Yeah. His daughter was Raped basically and almost killed. Yeah. I believe almost. Well, I mean I'll I'll read the Oh yeah, yeah. okay. Go for it.
0: So it says in Canton, Mississippi, a fearless young lawyer and his assistant defend a black man accused of murdering two white men who raped his ten year old daughter. Let's see, inciting violent retribution and revenge from the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. So it's
1: really good. Yeah, and his character is honestly the one that I remember because mm-hmm. I've seen that movie before, and I actually have that movie at home.
0: Oh, you do? Yeah. Shit, I'm gonna have to borrow it. from Like, I know
1: Sandra Bullock's in it, but Sam Jackson's the character that I remember. Well, from yeah,
0: film. yeah. You know what I mean? And Kevin Spacey's in it too. Oh, that's uh,
1: yeah. He is. I think he plays.
0: Yeah, it says he plays the DA or whatever. So mm-hmm,
1: the guy trying to put Sam Jackson mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Yep. And it's a really interesting take on. Basically, Sam Jackson character, there is a scene in that film where it's, I think it's the NAACP or some, one of the okay um, the organizations for African Americans are trying to take up money to buy him this awesome lawyer oh. and replace the one that he's got. And he's looking at them and he's like, well, what is my family going to do to eat? Because yeah, no one's bringing in any money. Just give it to my family. Right. That makes sense. And it was a really interesting take on... The sensationalism that comes with something like that. Now that was really cool. It makes me think because you know me in interpersonal relationships. I just find yeah. it interesting.
0: Yep. Okay. So my turn. Well, I mean, I have a oh, couple yeah. of facts Keep going. and stuff. So, all right. So, like John Grisham's novel, mm-hmm. uh, the movie movie was very controversial and was widely accused of condoning murder. So. A little, yeah. Really.
1: But I mean, the, I mean. Vigilantism is not yeah. a good thing, right? But it was also stuck
0: in a system that was not working. Well, and not only that, it's like you can't blame the guy. I mean, I would think Mm-mm. a lot of fathers would want to do the same thing. Yeah, you know.
1: But if you put me on a jury and tell me this guy, no, like we know for a fact that, that he
0: killed the, the these guys.
1: guys did this horrible right. thing to this child, right? And her. You know, this child's daddy's the one that took him out. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I could find someone like that guilty. Yeah. Like, I know the system is there in place for a reason, and we have right. to support it even if we don't like it. Yeah. But I don't know that I could send the guy to jail.
0: Yeah. I know and what that's you mean. kind of why
1: that movie is so poignant, I think.
0: Yeah. All Let's right. see. Uh, Kevin Costner was considered for the role of Jake uh, Burgens, who was played by Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Um,. What else we got? That's right. He did play the lawyer. See, do you Mm -hmm. see what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, film debut of Octavia Spencer. That's cool. I always liked her. Yeah. She was Rourke's nurse is what it says. So in 1984, at the DeSoto County Courthouse in Hernando, uh, John Grisham witnessed the harrowing testimony of a 12-year-old rape victim. The inspiration for the book came from the case of the rape. An assault of 12-year-old Marcy Scott and her 16-year-old sister Julia Scott. Unlike Grisham's depiction, however, the Scots were white and their assailant, Willie Harris, was black. According to Grisham's official website, Grisham used his spare time to begin his first novel, which explored what would have happened if the girl's father had murdered her assailants. He spent three years on The time to kill and finished it in 1987. Uh, Grisham has okay. also cited Harper Lee's The uh, Killing Mockingbird as an influence. This book is set in 1984. Another stated inspiration was the success of Scott Turow's Presumed Innocent, which was also an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. That was a good movie. Anyway, so, yeah. Cool.
1: Okay, so we've gone over, uh, let's see, and of course, like you said, um, Matthew McConaughey, Kevin mm-hmm. Spacey. Uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock, Octavia Spencer. So this movie had a lot of good names in there that yeah. were not just Sam Jackson.
0: Right. So definitely. Do you want me to do Rotten Tomatoes and all that stuff? Yeah,
1: give us Rotten Tomatoes an
0: audience. Okay, okay. so the Rotten Tomatoes was only at 65%. But That's the, some bullshit. <laughs> right? But the audience was 85 That's far more accurate. Yeah. So the budget was uh, $40 $40 uh, opening weekend was about 19.6, mm-hmm. but overall it was 152 million. So it made so, his money back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It did good.
1: Sweet. So, all right. My turn? Yep. All right, so the first one I want to hit on is The Negotiator. Uh-huh. Sam Jackson plays a cop whose partner is killed. Okay. And it turns out this, like, half this department is setting him up to take the fall for the embezzlement and the murder. His partner uh, found no. out about it, didn't know if he could trust him. Right. So he started like the investigation kickoff and the crooked cops have set up all of the evidence to make it look like Sam Jackson's character Roman is the one that did everything. Okay. Basically he's gonna be the fall guy. Right. So he is a hostage negotiator who takes hostages gotcha. within the building. And I believe it is Kevin Spacey, again, working with Kevin Spacey again, who's brought in to basically try to talk him down and figure it out. And between the two of them, they uncover the real culprits and figure out what's going on. Gotcha. So their budget for this one was um, 50 million. It brought in 49.1 in box. So it didn't quite make its money back, which I guess um, is like, this was, like, trying to be a shoot 'em up action movie and a suspense. Okay. And I don't think it quite pulled off either one. It was kind of this really long, bland mix of the two. And I know that's weird considering it's a shoot 'em up movie, but yeah. it just didn't really do it for a lot of people. So I think that's fair. Right. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes score is 75%. The Audience score is 80 Okay. So this is a movie. It's not bad. It's yeah. not one I'm reaching for again. It right. is one of those cats-out-of-the-bag, cats-out-of-the-bag type things. Yeah. Um, but it was loosely based on a pension scandal by the St. Louis Police Department in the 80s and 90s. Really? Yeah. That's, that's where cool. they pulled it all from. Uh, I don't think anything as violent as murder went down at that time, but there right. was definitely a lot of the embezzlement and all of that other good stuff.
0: Your turn. My turn? Mm-hmm. So, I've got Pulp Fiction, which is like a classic. Cult classic. You can't it's, go wrong. Yeah, you can't.
1: This is like the third time we're bringing up a movie with John Travolta since we started the podcast.
0: I know, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. So, Pulp Fiction, the lives of two mob hitmen, a boxer, a gangster and his wife, and a pair of diner bandits intertwined in four tales of violence and redemption. Nice. And it's just... It has like so many different iconic scenes, one of which was Samuel Jackson and John Travolta. They're the hitmen. Mm-hmm. And that's where we learn about the Royale with cheese. Yes. There's okay. that whole conversation in the car when John Travolta is trying to explain to him what a Royale with cheese is. Right. So there was that. Then there's also the scene where he starts, um, Samuel Jackson starts spouting off like Bible verses. I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, yeah. that's the scene with Sam Jackson that pops mm-hmm. into my mind for Pulp Fiction. That and the Jerry Curl. Yeah. That is distracting. It is. But the Bible verse thing, because <laughs> oh, yeah. he gets, he does this really, really good crazy eye thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's doing that on purpose or if he's just trying to be super expressive. Exactly. But he's very, very good at it. Of course. Alright, so what you got? Let's see. We know John Travolta. Right. We know Uma Thurman.
0: Uma Thurman, Bruce Willis.
1: Oh that's right. Yeah.
0: And, um, oh, the big guy from the Green Mile, he was in it too. He was? Oh. Are you talking about Ving Rhames? Because Ving Rhames was not in no, Green I Mile.
1: But the Duncan guy.
0: No. <laughs> I think okay. you're thinking of Ving Rhames.
1: I might have been. It's been a long time since I've seen it.
0: Yeah. So, but yeah, Steve I didn't Buscemi, know up the ball <laughs> yeah, Steve Buscemi, Christopher Walken. Oh, I forgot he was in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just a ton of people. Sweet. Were in that movie, and then of course you can't forget the Uma Thurman scene where it's like she's dead, and then they like, jam those uh,
1: Narcan or adrenaline yeah, into her chest.
0: Yep, she just pops right back up like it was no, you know, no big deal. Yeah. And stuff. So. And, of course, I got, you know, I got some uh, facts. What you got for us? Let's see here. The shot of Vincent plunging the syringe into Mia's chest was filmed by having John Travolta pull the needle out, then running the film backwards. Uh, watch carefully, and you'll see a mark on Mia's chest disappear when she's revived. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so the movie cost only $8 million to make, with $5 million going to pay the actors and actresses salaries. So really, if you think about it, that's like only <laughs> All three they did million. Was, like
1: buy a car and drive around a bunch and like rent out a diner. For I some guess,
0: store. yeah, and like maybe wasn't there like a gun shop scene? I think too, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So like yeah, five million went to the actors and actresses. So really, like only three million went into it sounds like the actual the movie. Yeah.
1: And anyway, it
0: went on to gross over two hundred million. So that's you know that right there that's saves me some time. That's almost two hundred dollars. return. Yeah. So it did pretty good. Heck yeah. So. Okay. Uh, Oh, and the word fuck is used 265 times.
1: Yeah, that sounds
0: accurate. (laughs) I want (laughs) to be the person who just sits there and, like, counts. (laughs) You know, for, like... I lose count. Like, if it's a
1: drinking game, someone's dying of alcohol poisoning at the end of the night.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Now, I will say Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. was 92 so, okay. audience was 96. So, either way, I it, mean... It's it, an up and up music. Yeah. Yeah. But Tarantino is one of those, It for me anyway... He, you love
1: him or hate him. He's yeah. like Shyamalan. You either love it or you hate it. And
0: most of the times I do like Quentin Tarantino's movies, but sometimes mm-hmm. I have to watch it a second time. I had to do that with, like, the first Kill Bill movie, where I didn't like it okay. th- that much the first time. But then once mm-hmm. I watched it again, it was like, oh, yeah, know I like this. This
1: is the... Is this the only movie Sam Jackson's done with Tarantino?
0: No, he's been in a few. Which ones? I don't know. Let me... I don't know. He's been in a couple, though, for sure. He's he's one of those... He's done so many...
1: Right. Projects. So, yeah, I believe that completely.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's just it. Like, he, he's one of those guys that Tarantino, you know, goes Taps to. Taps on the shoulder mm-hmm. and, hey, I need you to go play your like, character like this for this guy. Well, like, I'm pretty sure oh, he... Of course
1: he's not. Um, Django Unchained. Yeah. I completely
0: forgot. Yeah, he was in uh, Django Unchained. I think he also had a small role in one of the Kill Bill... I think the second Kill Bill movie, where you don't really see his face, but he's playing the piano like... Before huh. the before you know the murder scene and um, uh, okay. you yeah. know when when everybody shoots uh, the bridal party. Oh,
1: okay. So it's kind of like
0: uncredited. I, guess. <clears throat> I mean, he's probably credited, but it, it was just a very small you know part. Mm-hmm. So okay, but yeah, like you said, Django Unchained and a bunch of other. He's been in a lot, so.
1: Yeah, I read up. He's got. A hundred and twenty different projects under his belt. It's crazy. Oh,
0: he was the narrator for uh, *Inglorious Bastards*. Oh yes,
1: he was. So that was another Tarantino. So yeah, Tarantino
0: uses him quite a bit. Yeah. So
1: anyway, your turn. My turn. The next one I want to hit on is One Eight Seven. Okay. So this was a movie. It wasn't super well received. A lot of people didn't really dig, especially how it ended. See, I don't think I've ever even heard of that movie. Okay, so how this works out is this teacher is attacked by an angry gangbanger student because I guess he fails him and he won't basically pass him out of fear of retaliation. Right. Well, he's stabbed a bunch of times, he's left for dead, and he basically comes back to a different city, to another inner city school, and when he's confronted with gangbanging activity again. Mm He takes it upon himself to start that vigilante justice.
0: Okay.
1: He is, like, killed a couple of these guys. He's cut off one guy's finger. Like, he's not taking it lying down anymore. So, now this is a... uh, (laughs) What I have written down in my summary is, a teacher attacked by an angry gangbanger student becomes a vigilante and teaches life lessons.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which is true.
1: Right. Um, As he's going on, you... You know those moments where the really teachers, really good teachers have that, like, breakdown moment and they lay out, like, a whole bunch, spill a bunch of tea to all the students? Yeah. The good teachers usually have those about once a year. (laughs) Pretty much every time you see him in the classroom, he's doing that. Now, this is a big spoiler. If you have not seen this movie, it is pretty good, and I do recommend at least watching it once. Okay. But the ending. So if you're going to go, you know, stop what you're doing and go watch it, (laughs) stop listening now. At the end, he's got this gangbanger sitting across the table from him, and they're basically forcing him to play Russian roulette. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there's this whole monologue that he delivers just totally even keel. He's not shaking. And he actually makes the gangbanger play the roulette with him. Good. And they go through a couple of rounds, and nobody's getting shot yet. Right. And you see the gangbanger's, like, shaking. He's, Mm -hmm. like, trying to control... um, the guy's the character's name was Caesar. Okay. And Sam Jackson's character actually takes the gun and takes his turn and he ends up shooting himself. Oh, gosh. And he basically was along the lines, I'm trying to teach
0: you. Yeah, I'm not teaching anybody any of that. No,
1: but the whole thing like he's spelling out is, you know, your life's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got no honor. You've got nothing. And then he ends up being honorable and he takes caesar's turn and he ends up dead
0: well caesar's a piece of shit i'm not taking my time to you know kill myself
1: caesar says he has to do the honorable thing and he takes another turn and then he ends up dead so now we've got the dead teacher the dead gang banger and the second gang banger who's like the muscle yeah like two of them just kind of like well what the hell do we do now
0: yeah no kidding
1: yeah it was, it's, the ending's pretty
0: intense. Yeah.
1: But it is kind of a slow burn to get there, and okay. that's not a flavor a lot of people really like.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not one you expect with Sam Jackson. Gotcha. Oh. Huh. Yeah. So, on this one, um, of course, in the end, Caesar is an idiot. Right. Uh, it, I didn't, because of the age of this film and because it wasn't crazy popular, it only grossed about $5.7 in the box. Okay. It didn't list what it was actually made for. Oh, okay. Um, I don't imagine they came out with a super high profit unless they had a stupid low budget. <laughs> yeah, right. Because Rotten Tomatoes, they only gave it a 30% rating. Oh, wow. But the audience meter's closer to 67, and I'm drifting with the audience meter on this one.
0: okay.
1: But that is one of the biggest gaps I've seen between Rotten mm-hmm. Tomatoes and audience meters. Right. Of any movie that we've seen. Usually they're within about 10, 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So... Your Oh, uh the only other big name that was in this movie that I recognized was yeah. John Hurd. Oh okay. He yeah. plays like a disenfranchised history teacher. Gotcha.
0: So Alright. Alright, well the next movie I'm doing is Snakes on a Plane. Oh Jesus. Have you that's seen one this the, one? Yes, it's a train
1: wreck. It but is. you can't but
0: not watch it. I just remember like before it came out, like that's just it. Everybody was talking about it before it came out. And like, I remember talking about because the previews you knew it was going to be a wreck. But yeah. You knew you were going to pay to go see it. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah, I think I actually went like on like opening weekend, probably. Are you and saw, I'm pretty sure.
1: <laughs> I did not buy tickets to the theaters what? because it's like I said. Okay, <laughs> here's the metaphor that kept rolling around in my head when I thought of this movie. Um, it's like the fat chick and the titty bar. You know it's going to be a mess, but you can't not watch it. True so i wasn't gonna pay to see it so i waited till it hit satellite and then i watched it with my mom and my brother yeah and he thought it was hilarious and so did i but i'm just i'm sitting there the whole time going why yeah why are we watching this this is terrible i know what are we doing
0: i mean the best part was definitely whenever the uh snake bit that woman's titty uh No, the best part is
1: we're going to get these motherfucking snakes off off this this motherfucking motherfucking plane. plane. That's true, too. But the
0: titty bite was pretty good. It was pretty good. So, all right. So, yeah. An FBI agent takes on a plane full of deadly venomous snakes deliberately released to kill a witness being flown from Honolulu to Los Angeles to testify against a mob boss. That's the uh, synopsis.
1: Plot hole number one. (laughs) Hawaii is incredibly expensive to live there. There's right. no way the feds are paying to relocate a witness to Hawaii. It's not happening.
0: Right. Like, no. Yeah, I know.
1: Okay, so keep going.
0: Continue. Okay. So at around 44 minutes, when the male flight attendant puts the snake in the microwave, he can be sitting hit it, seen hitting the snake preset button on that microwave, a somewhat unusual preset for a microwave. Huh. So, I did not know that.
1: Yeah, probably one of those little like comedy hidden gems you kind of have to be looking for.
0: Okay, so contrary to popular belief, uh, Samuel Jackson's agent insisted that the title be changed because Jackson couldn't work on a film with such a title. When Jackson heard about all of this, he responded with the much-cited comment, "We're totally changing that back. That's the only reason I took the job. I read the title." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just it because it's like if you think about Samuel L. Jackson, he's Wasn't such this a remake. No, 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 this was right after he did Shaft, which was a remake. Yeah, okay, okay. okay. now, okay, I got my well, because Shaft was, I think, no, because Shaft was a TV show and he did the movie that was based off of the TV show from the 70s. Yeah. So that, yeah. You realize they're doing a sequel? I know, it's coming out. I'm kind of really excited about it. Yeah. I'm
1: having train wreck vibes. Yeah,
0: I think it's coming out, like, actually next weekend or maybe the weekend after. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming out. And just
1: in case you guys think we record these and then immediately release them, we've got a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, Um, But I'm hoping it rolls more Hitman's Bodyguard mm -hmm. funny vibe versus Nick's on a Plane.
0: But see, like, that's just it, though. Like, Samuel L. Jackson can do, like, a stupid movie like this, and it's not going to matter. I mean, everybody still loves it. Yeah. And that's
1: what he's really good about picking movies where it's one end of the spectrum or the other. There, he does not have forgettable films. No. It's either so bad, you can't forget it because it's hilarious, or it's so good,
0: you can't forget it because it's just awesome. Okay, so four hundred and fifty snakes were used, including one twenty-two foot long Burmese python. Like I thought, you can keep that
1: shit. That's just
0: it. Like I thought, the like the snakes were gonna be like CGI and shit. And a lot of the more
1: action, (coughs) a lot of the more action focused scenes where the snakes were like getting like smacked around or when it like bit the girl's titty, Mm -hmm. those are CG, and it's kind of obvious because you know cg cg and it wasn't that
0: great back then well it it says here most snakes were digitally created because the real snakes did not move as much as the filmmakers wanted
1: yeah
0: so yeah
1: um, that's that i remember sitting on the couch going snakes don't move like that
0: so okay yeah in march 2006 new line cinema due to massive fan interest on the internet allowed for a five-day reshoot uh, to film new scenes to take the movie from PG-13 to an R-rated film. Originally, (laughs) the film wrapped principal photography in September 2005. Among these additions is the Samuel L. Jackson character's line, I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane, a line that originated Mm -hmm. in an anticipatory uh, internet parody of the movie. (laughs) So...
1: And yes. see, this, this is one of the only times I've heard of a movie getting reshoots to bump up the rating versus push down the rating. Right. To see who can get in to see it. Exactly. Should it have been rated R. Probably not. It was more kooky than anything else.
0: Well, yeah, but I think... Like, they did have some of, like, the nudity with, like, the girl's boob and... Well, that's true. There was, like, some of the, like, the at least simulated sex scenes. I don't think they... Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Those are probably
1: the ones they reshot. Yeah, (laughs) probably.
0: And if you throw in more swearing, too, that's going to get you an R rating. Yeah. Plus violence, you know. Yeah, there's quite a bit of violence. Yeah, so I get it. So... I'm trying to think here. All right, so The Rotten Tomatoes, this was kind of, this kind of surprised me. So The Rotten Tomatoes Mm -hmm. was 69.
1: Audience was only
0: 49, which I thought was kind of surprising, actually.
1: I'm actually not that surprised by it. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, it's it's a cult classic film at this point. Most Right. I feel like most of his, at least half his movie career ends up being, like, cult classic films just because the characters are just...
0: Yeah,
1: out there, but I can believe that. I think the audience meter. I tend to trend more with the audience meter than the rotten tomato meter.
0: Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. So I've also got the box office. So oh, cool. the budget was thirty three million. Mm-hmm. Opening uh, was a little over fifteen million, but overall, it made worldwide. It made like uh, a little over sixty two million. So
1: so I made his money back. It did, and, and, and,
0: and then some. Right.
1: Um, I'm kind of shocked that they sunk fifty million dollars into that.
0: No, they sunk only uh, thirty-three million. Thirty-three million mm-hmm. still That's I know. a lot, of money. <laughs> but I bet a lot of that is. That's also. a lot of money for CGI space. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: Okay, uh, my turn? Yep. Perfect. I want to hit uh, Unbreakable. Okay. So this is a movie he did with Bruce Willis. It is an M. Night Shyamalan film. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, Elijah is born to break. David is indestructible. Elijah helps David hone his skills, but turns out to be Mr. Glass, and he's a crazy terrorist. Nice. So this is the first of the trilogy that M. Night Shyamalan has put together around, um, there was Unbreakable, there was Split, and then, um, oh, lord, it, it's on my tongue. They just did it. Which one? Shattered Glass? Is that what it was?
0: I think it's just called Glass. We'll figure it out. Um, pretty sure it's just called Glass.
1: Yeah. But this movie, it's, it's another one of those kind of slow burn type films. Right. But I have to say, this this is not a character I see a lot with Sam Jackson. Mm-hmm. It's not a tough guy or like a stern right. personality. He's just this really quietly simmering pot of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw this character in Unbreakable, and then I saw it in his character in Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. It's this, like, this real subtle. He talks with his face more than he actually talks with his mouth. You can just see gears turning. Right. The entire film, every scene he's in. Um, but the scene that stuck out the most for me for this film was actually not his. Oh, okay. Um, the ending was awesome, how he's breaking everything down and basically confessing to all this horrible stuff. But the scene that, like, sticks me mm-hmm. is there is. Uh, have you seen this film? Yeah. Okay. The gun scene in the kitchen.
0: Oh, Where the
1: son is trying to convince his father that Mm -hmm. he is indestructible. Right. Your only weakness is water. I'm going to shoot you and you're going to see. Yeah. And, of course, at this point, Bruce Willis' character and his wife, you know, David and his wife. Right. Neither one of them believe this. Well, yeah. And they're trying to explain to this kid, you know, Mr. Glass, his body's been hurting a long time. It makes him sick. Sometimes it makes... The mind's sick, too. He's mm-hmm. not indestructible. And it's this whole arc of talking his son into putting down the gun. Right. So that nobody gets hurt. Yeah. And that, oh.
0: <laughs> it still
1: just, it, it gives me that little bit of a cringe at the back of my neck. Mm-hmm. Because it was just a really powerful scene. Right. And, of course, the very last line was, they called me Mr. Glass. Yeah. Which I think sets up kind of. The rest of the trilogy. Now they. This was released in oh lord. I can't remember how long ago.
0: It was in the like early two thousands, I think. Right, I think it yeah. was
1: almost right after Six Sense.
0: Probably. It was within
1: that couple of,
0: couple of years. Yeah, well, because Unbreakable but, was the first out of the trilogy, you know. But it was over ten years before so. they made Split.
1: Yeah. And Night Shyamalan, and I don't. When I was looking it up, it was, you know, there were other projects coming up that he did. There were script changes. There mm-hmm. were rights issues. So there was kind of this roller coaster thing kind of going. Right. If I remember correctly. So that's why it took so long. But as soon as Split came out, yeah, Glass was almost immediately after Yeah, exactly. So he kind of finally got to wrap up what he wanted to do right. with this with a bow. Yep. So it I believe the final film, mm-hmm. class was meant to be something completely different than what it ended up being. Yeah. It was, meh. It wasn't that great. You didn't get to see it? No, uh, I saw it. Saw, I haven't seen it. I have a lot of faith in uh, Sarah. Sarah. Sarah Paulson. Yeah, Sarah Paulson. Yeah. I like, a, like, ever since American Horror Story, Yeah. the work I've seen her doing since then, I've really liked. Mm-hmm. Some of the work before, not so much. Right. Um, but it took me forever to realize she was in Serenity. Mm-hmm. She played like the scientist on the recording that that died basically. Um, but for this, they actually budgeted seventy five million dollars. And the reason I say this was right at the heels of the Sixth Sense because that movie was such a big hit. Right. This movie, like I said, slow burn. It kind of takes a little bit to get into it and get it going. But it made over two hundred and forty eight point one at the Damn. box. Damn. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, tomato meter was 70%, which is, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Audience meter was 77%. So they're kind of right on even keel right. with each other. Right. Yeah. So. And of course, let's be real Bruce, Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson combination.
0: Yeah. There's no. Yeah, you can't really go, you can't wrong. go wrong. That's true. All right. So, my movie, the next movie I'm doing is Shaft from 2000. Another, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. <laughs> okay, so actually he's a New York City police detective, John Shaft,
1: and then it says he's
0: the nephew of the original 1970s detective. So so that's how they kind of updated yeah, it and kind of brought it back. Yeah, and this, was a, this movie was made in 2000, so the upcoming movie is 19 years later.
1: Which kind of makes sense because yeah. I think from what I'm seeing it's like his
0: son is following yeah. around or something. Yeah, it wants to follow in his footsteps. So mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, John Shaft he goes on a personal mission to make sure the son of a real estate tycoon is brought to justice after a racially motivated murder. Damn right! I do
1: remember this movie, and I actually I was expecting this to be very campy, mm-hmm. like more all lost snakes on a plane. But it wasn't, and I was really, I was impressed with it because, considering what I thought it was going to end up being, it was much better than I thought it was going to end
0: up being. (laughs) Yeah. So, Richard Roundtree, who plays Shaft's uncle, he was the original Shaft in the TV show. Okay. um, Is only six years older than Samuel L. Jackson. (laughs) So, let's see. Samuel L. Jackson and John Singleton had numerous disagreements with co-writer Richard Price and producer Scott Rudin over lines in the script that they found racially and sexually offensive. One scene to which uh, Jackson objected featured Shaft tossing a candy bar and a sexual partner when she wants him to take her out for dinner. Um, <laughs> the lines were deleted from the script. I can understand that because of the character he was trying to put together.
1: Yeah. And it, would kind of, it wouldn't mesh well with the character that they had on screen because in one scene... He's, like, protecting this woman who's getting beat by her husband. Right, right. And then you're going to have, like, I oh, want well, you to go to dinner have a Snickers bar. Yeah. Like, that's my house to right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. So we'll have to see how the sequel works, because in the preview for the upcoming sequel, they make it seem like him and Richard Roundtree are almost father and son and mm-hmm. not, you know, nephew and uncle. And because well, they, they really kind of make on it... On and on who raises who. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, we'll see. That's really, you know, all I got for for that kind of stuff. Okay.
1: So, my next
0: one that I, I'm getting... Oh. I'm not done yet. You're not done yet. I got to still do, you know. So, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 67. Audience was only 40. <laughs> That's another big gap. That is another big gap. That's another big gap. And then, um, let's see, price-wise... Let me go back, do, 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 Okay, so the budget was 46 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, opening weekend was a little over 21 million. Uh, worldwide for gross was uh, over 107 million, so. Oh, wow, so they
1: did okay.
0: But I mean, that was worldwide. It doesn't say like how much it was just, you know, in the US or whatever, yeah. but yeah. still. I'm sure it probably made its money back. Yeah, me too. But anyway,
1: your turn. My turn? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. All right. So, the next one I want to hit on, on is Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> and I fought you to do this movie, too. Yeah, you did. I wanted this movie so bad. Um, of course, uh, mm-hmm. this is basically... It turns into the McLean and Carver show. Right. It's... And <laughs> they basically team them up. Bruce Willis is, of course... John McLean,
0: right,
1: and Alan Rickman's brother from the first Die Hard movie mm-hmm. is the villain. Yep, and Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. They're going to like steal all of this stuff, but in the process, they basically want McLean to end up McLean to end up dead. He puts him with uh butt naked and a sign that says yeah. Some really inappropriate things, and yep. in the wrong neighborhood to be saying these inappropriate mm-hmm. things, and Sam Jackson's character is the one that comes to the rescue. He's whatever. Yeah. And from there, he just ends up roped in yep. to this huge misadventure of the Die Hard universe. And mm-hmm. it's one of the best movies Sam Jackson's done. Yeah. It's that I think it's the first time he and Bruce Willis worked together that I saw. I don't know. Um, yeah. I know they've done. You know, all couple of movies. movies. Those two together are really just cinema gold. I absolutely love, you know, movies where they that they've done together. Um, And I have written down basically as Team Die Hard versus Alan Rickman's brother, yeah, and an explosive scavenger hunt through New York, yeah. Because that's
0: basically what they're doing. He's sending oh, yeah. them to all
1: these places, and they're trying to unravel what the real... Yeah,
0: well, he gives them, like, riddles and shit. Yeah, exactly. Which would be annoying. Exactly. <laughs> I hate that kind of stuff. If I was, you know, if it were me, I'd be like, well, we're all screwed because I don't do riddles, so... Right?
1: Just blow your shit up. I don't care. Yeah,
0: pretty much. So, um and of course, and what's the line? Yippee kaye, motherfucker.
1: No, Sam Jackson says it in this one.
0: Oh, well, I don't know. I and just, I forgot to write
1: it down. Damn it. I'm totally jacked on this thing. All right, so um, with this, of course, the budget was huge. Most right. action movie budgets are pretty big, but this one was $90 million, Nice. And this was like back in the 90s. Yeah. So $90 million budget, but they got their return. It pulled in $366.1 million in the box office. Wow.
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, we have another big gap between Rotten Tomatoes and Audience Meter. Really? Rotten Tomatoes is 52%. Audience Meter is 83 Yeah. Okay. And again, yeah. I'm trending Audience Meter. Yeah, same here. So, and of course, Die Hard has some of the most cutting-edge action sequences of the yeah, time. Yeah,
0: definitely. And there was a couple of really good ones in this movie, too. I mm-hmm. liked it a lot. Yep. Okay. So, my last movie is Mm -hmm. Coach Carter. Okay. Okay, so controversy surrounds high school basketball coach Ken Carter after he benches his entire team for breaking their academic contract with Mm them. So, it's basically, you know, the school, you know, it's... Things are not, you know, going well. It's in a bad neighborhood. Really, all the school has is this basketball team. Well, he comes in... You know, because these kids are basically just getting by because of they're on the basketball right. team. And so he's like, no. He's like, you know, you're going to sign this contract with me. You know, I think they only needed, like, basically a C average. Right. So it's like you have to have, you know, maintain a C average. Um, on game days, you're going to be wearing a suit and a tie. Yeah. On game days. And I think the other one was something like, you know, you have to attend all your classes. or It was something like that. Yeah. And so basically, yeah, they end up not doing that. And so uh, he ends up benching everybody. And so now they're lo- you know losing games because they're not playing. So they went from mm-hmm. being, you know, um, oh, what's it called? Undefeated. Undefeated, yeah. And now they have to deal with this. Well, they end up making it, you know, things get turned around. Mm-hmm. Uh, they end up making it um, to the finals. But spoiler alert, they end up losing. Mhm. Which was it was kind of in a weird way it was kind of refreshing to see that just because, you know, it's real life. It's a redemption story, but not all redemptions right. in victory. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's just it in movies it almost always seems like that's, you know, like the starring team or whatever always wins. And in reality it's not always like that. Exactly. And so it's kinda of, like I said, it was kind of, you know, refreshing to see the team mm-hmm. like lose.
1: Yeah. And see this was this is another movie that I really liked. I don't have this movie, but it's mm-hmm. definitely one I watch when I see
0: this yeah. coming on.
1: Yep. The fact that you've got a guy making people accountable, right? And right. then you can see it like the parents want this, want him gone. Mm-hmm. And there, here's what I didn't get: the moms are like, "This is all they've got. This is how they're getting out, basically." Yeah, is what they're saying. But it's like, honey. If he can't keep his grades up in high school. Exactly. When he's got someone breathing down his neck, you at home and teachers at school. Exactly. His ticket out, he's gone for a semester, then he's right back on your couch. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that was really cool. And this is one of those things. This is a coach that actually did what he said he was going to do versus, you know, lip service. These guys are going to do all this awesome stuff. And then turn a blind eye like a lot of coaches do. Yep. When these players
0: don't do what they're supposed oh, to do. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I do have some facts. Okay. Okay, so when Ken Carter was asked who should play him in the movie, he wrote down one name, Samuel L. Jackson. Which is perfect. Yeah, exactly. And
1: see, this is that third character that I really like to see him doing, mm-hmm. that
0: authoritative yep. teacher. Yeah. It's 187 without the crazy vigilante stuff. Exactly. So, feature film debut of Channing Tatum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also Channing Tatum had never played basketball before uh, making this movie. So he had individual training with the coaches to get up to speed with the other actors. <laughs> and uh, the actors practiced in the gym for more than five hours a day. Hmm. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson says he liked uh, Kira, who was played by Ashanti. He liked okay. her storyline uh, because it shows that having a baby is a big re- responsibility. And then it won't just be a little doll. Like, a lot of, you know, girls think that it will. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, it showed, you know, because one of the players or whatever got a girl, girl from, pregnant. from pregnant. And so it showed, you know, yeah, like, he was taking responsibility and, you know. Doing what he needed Doing what he, what he, what he needed to do. Yeah. So. And see, that's.
1: I always wondered why Ashanti didn't do more movies.
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought she she did a good job. Yeah. She
1: did, and I I liked her in this one, and Mm -hmm. then she also went outside of what the stereotypical, you know, ghetto black girl type stereotype. Yeah, she did a lot of other good stuff. uh, what was it? One of the Resident Evil movies. Oh, yeah. She was really good in that, too. I mean, her character's time in the film was brief, but I liked it. Yeah. So
0: I always wondered why she didn't do more. Yep, And then so I've got, uh, this one is also one that has kind of, um, in a good way, it has kind of a gap. So Rotten Tomatoes only gave us 64%.
1: yeah
0: Right? Audience gave it 85 Yeah. So I'm going to side with the audience for sure on that because that was a good movie. And then mm-hmm. I've also got, um, you know, some box office stuff. So, let's see. All right. So the budget was thirty million. Mm-hmm. Opening weekend made a little more than twenty nine million. So that's good. That it made almost its whole budget back. Right, and then the gross for worldwide was almost seventy seven million. So it did. Fine. Everybody did okay. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So, but yeah, that was the last of my movies sweet mm-hmm. so the
1: last one i want to hit on is one of my more recent favorites okay hitman's bodyguard yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> i love ryan reynolds i love sam jackson right. and this movie just kind of brought out the best in both of them mm-hmm. so of course ryan reynolds is um the he's like the straight lace straight yeah. top dog security bodyguard in the business okay ends up losing a client You later find out that it's because (laughs) Samuel L. Jackson's character killed him. Oh, oops. And it sends Reynolds into this horrible downward spiral where now he's stuck being a bodyguard for the hitman. He doesn't know it at the time that caused his life to fall apart. Gotcha. And he's got to get the hitman, Kincaid, which is Sam Jackson's character, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. to court to testify alive against a war criminal. Okay. Who's been, like, crimes against humanity type stuff. Right. So, of course, Ryan Reynolds... Sam Jackson Selma Hayek Oh nice I almost love her character More than I love Sam Jackson's character (laughs) She's just awesome Yeah And as we're going through Of course There's plenty of comedy There's lots of shit Blowing up Which is right up my alley Right But there is a scene uh, It is the entire Amsterdam chase sequence Do you know the one I'm talking about It starts off I didn't see this one What's wrong with you I know Okay it's this whole sequence. It starts off where Ryan Reynolds has basically just found out that Sam Jackson's the reason his life went to shit. Oh, okay. So he's sitting, and they've gotten to this big argument, and they've separated. Well, the bad guys are still gunning for Kincaid. Reynolds' character sits down at like this little beer garden stand in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And while he's getting a beer... He's talking to this guy and basically laying it out like he's talking to a bartender about, you know, Um, Kincaid is crazy, yada, yada, yada. And in the background, you hear and you see these guys are trying to kill Kincaid. Nice. So everything's getting shot up. There's stuff blowing up. There's bodies flying, and Reynolds is just bitching about it. Right. And then, of course, he gets up and enters into the chase because he's still trying to get Kincaid to court alive. Right. And there's, it's just this entire sequence there on the alleys, the back alleys, the cobblestones, the canal, and boats, and all kinds of crazy shit going down. (laughs) It's one of my absolute favorite action sequences of any film, period. Wow. It was just really, really done well, because it's got that perfect blend of action and comedy. Nice. So, I dug it. Cool. Now, on this one... Uh, budgeted sixty nine million, which I thought was actually pretty conservative, considering a it's an action film, right, and b the actors you have in said film. Yeah, that's true. Because at this point, Ryan Reynolds is blown up. Sam oh, Jackson yeah. is Sam Jackson, and <laughs> Salma Hayek is still really big too. Oh yeah, yeah. It grossed one hundred and seventy six point six million. Nice in box. It was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, this is the biggest gap I found. Forty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, 67 percent on audience. Okay. So I think it just depends pretty, I think it depends on what your flavor is. yeah, definitely, because if you're not really one or the other, you're not gonna like the movie. true. Sure. Um, but one of the one of my other favorite scenes out of this film, nothing to do with Sam Jackson. It is Selma Hayek in a cell because she's Kincaid's wife. okay They're both basically violent sociopaths that fell in love mm-hmm. supposedly. and her cellmate is like. Three times her size, and she's got this girl scared and sitting in a corner. (laughs) Nice. And all she does is yell (laughs) at her. It was hilarious. I loved it. Okay. So that is our top ten films, but Mm -hmm. I do have a couple honorable mentions I want to throw out here. Okay. Uh, Of course, he played Mace Windu in Star Wars. Mm Mm-hmm. Got to give him that. True. And because I am the Marvel fan I am... Right. He's always going to be my Nick Fury. Yep, friend. Nick Fury. Yeah. Yep. That's true. So, what about you? Do you have any honorable mentions we didn't talk about? <sighs> Not really.
0: Not really? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that comes, like, to my head or whatever. Okay. But what about any facts about Sam Jackson himself? I mean, I can pull some up if you want. I've got a couple.
1: Okay. I can do this part. All right. Okay, so... Where Sam Jackson is concerned, of course, he's about 70 years old. But she looks good for almost 70 he years. He does. Old. He does have a couple of scenes where he kind of looks like a turtle. And I think that's just, that's just Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, oh, another honorable mention Kong Skull Island.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: And you know me and. We got Nick Fury, we got Kong. Loki. There's just plenty different people in that movie. I love it. Right. Um, he was actually studying marine biology until he took a drama class in college, and then he switched his major. Oh, okay. So that's pretty cool. For him to be studying something like marine biology, it makes me wonder what what he really wants to do with it. You know what I mean? Um, He's very active in civil rights, and he was quoted as saying, I would like to think, because of things I did, my daughter can do the things she does. Oh. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, He... In the early 90s was addicted to heroin and cocaine oh wow he went to rehab and as far as I can see he's been clean ever since yeah
0: yeah you haven't heard anything you know in regards to like drugs or anything right, so.
1: right. and of course he's got his wife Latanya and his daughter Zoe nice
0: yeah Now here's something kind of cool what's that although he had been acting in small roles and in theater productions it was not until he was 40 years old that he received his first major role and do the right thing, which was in 1989. Mm-hmm. And he was 45 when he became a star with Pulp Fiction in 94. So. I believe that. Yeah.
1: I can so, see that because, I mean, he's one of those guys where you can't forget him. No. So character work isn't really an option. Right? So you're either the star or you're not. You know what
0: I mean? Right. So, he has appeared in five five films that have been selected for the National Film Re- Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So, mm-hmm. Do the Right Thing, Goodfellas. Oh, shit, I forgot he was in Goodfellas. Who so would he play in Good- Isn't that the one with Ray Liotta? Yeah. Who would he play in Goodfellas? I don't know. All right. I have to go back and look that up. So, Goodfellas, uh, Jurassic Park. So oh, got- another honorable mention. Mm hmm. Uh, Pulp Fiction Mm and Eve's Bayou. Eve's Bayou. I think I've seen that one. Uh, I haven't seen that one. It sounds familiar.
1: I just want to throw out there that I Googled it, of course. Okay, right. Sam Jackson has done 120 movies and has brought $13 billion into box offices (sighs) with those films. Wow. Yeah. And now it's one of those things where you either love him or hate him. Mm -hmm. Most people love him. So if you hear that Sam Jackson's in a movie that sounds even remotely interesting, you're going.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Here's interesting. Uh, He suffered from a stutter while growing up. Uh, Speech therapist suggested he auditioned for a play and it might help his speech. It did, and he changed his major. Oh, cool. I didn't Mm -hmm. realize it was a stutter that took him to drama school. Yeah. Or drama class. And then, like, yeah, it (laughs) says he originally intended to become a marine biologist before discovering acting in college.
1: That just, that part fascinates me. Right. It's like, because it's either, okay, that was like a throwaway major, or he was like really into it.
0: Well, and you were talking about the whole doing drugs and stuff, Mm -hmm. so he was an admitted drug user until he completed drug rehab two weeks before playing a drug addict in Jungle Fever.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Isn't that
0: crazy? Like, you would think that would be like triggering, you know? I think
1: I read something on that, actually, and he said it wasn't. Triggering for him where it would have been for most people. It was actually kind of cathartic Well, I guess Which I can I can understand that And I mean having to go back and pretend right it might give you a chance to kind of Confront a lot of those demons but not head-on because it's kind of right You know the the demon adjacent because they're not really
0: yours, right?
1: So that makes a lot of sense
0: so the Guinness World Records named Samuel L. Jackson is the highest grossing film actor of all time uh, taking in more than 7.4 billion at the box office, which, like you said, I think that's a little old because now we're at 13. Yeah, <laughs> and so the residuals alone earn him about 300 thousand a year, which obviously doesn't include all the money he makes per movie. You know, yeah. So he's fine. In other yeah, words. he's he's all right.
1: <laughs> His kids He'll are be warm, okay. They're fed. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's all I got. What do you got left? Anything? Uh, that's it. So that was officially our top ten on actor Samuel L. Jackson. Mm -hmm. So real quick, let's do a quick rundown. Okay. Uh, We talked about a couple of honorable mentions. Yep. Um, I went through, I found A Hitman's Bodyguard, Unbreakable, and uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. I found all of those on several platforms. Yeah. Um, The Negotiator in 187, I actually had to go through YouTube to find. Oh, okay. I think it's because there's some of his lesser known films right. that it was a bit hard to kind of catch everybody.
0: Okay, well, I didn't look up where I could find any of these movies, <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure you can find them at least on Amazon. Right. Um, yeah, so. Amazon, you can find pretty much anything. Yeah, pretty much. All right, guys. Uh, so what movie are we doing uh, next for next time? Next time we are doing... I think it's RV, isn't it? Yeah. Robin Williams, another time. Yeah.
1: Yep. We're hitting like these certain people this season. I know, right? You know what I mean? So, yep. okay. So next up, RV, yep. Robin Williams, JoJo, Kristen yep. uh, Chenoweth. Yep. Bunch of people. Yeah. So that's it. This has been our top ten for Sam Jackson. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Bye, guys.